I hope you enjoy the upcoming content that we'll have for you on today's episode. I think you'll get quite a bit out of it. And know that today's episode is brought to you by the Swim Master Melody Course at successwithmusic.com. If you are in the songwriting game, if you are in the production game, make sure you understand what it takes to create a melody before you get to mastering and mixing and all that man it all starts with a powerful melody check it out today it is absolutely worth the investment the swim master melody course at successwithmusic.com hey let's get to the show this is swim success with music Yo, what's going on, good people? This is Walt, and I am your music coach, your kung fu master, your boom shakalaka. Let's dive in for today. Hey, I'm glad you are here. I am absolutely enthused about you being a listener of the program wherever you are in the world. I really, really hope you're doing well. As we're together, as mentioned before, I want you to get something out of our time together. I hope that you will grow as a musician. You'll hear new ideas. You'll get uh, some new information. And at minimum, maybe you'll have a little fun while we're together. So for today, I want to cover a topic that a lot of us have um, sought more insight on, and that is songwriting. And if you haven't sought uh, insight on songwriting and you write songs, there's a problem. You should always be in a position to where you are looking to get better at your craft. And uh, we're, we're going to go further into the, the topic here of songwriting in just a moment. But before we do, I like to start off our segments together with having a little fun. All right. So for today... We're going to play a game. We're going to play a listening game. I want to see how good you are with your ear. Hearing as a musician, of course, is uh, an amazing thing, unless you're, I don't know, Beethoven or something. Hearing is an amazing, amazing skill, and it needs to be sharpened. And I believe it's very important to have certain exercises that you're involved with that will help you get better as a musician while hearing music. Now, I had a good uh, friend back in, um, in school an accomplished pianist. I mean, the guy was a classical pianist. I mean, he just ran circles around me uh, when it came to playing. I mean, he was highly proficient at playing some of the most complicated music, Chopin and in classical uh, pieces. The guy in terms of sight reading was an absolute, absolute beast. Right. But if you were to sing a couple of notes or ask him to you know, mimic something that's heard on the radio or if you play, I don't know, a chord progression, he would be completely, completely lost because for some reason, with all of that training, he never really took time to sharpen his uh, ear. So if you happen to be one of those people, don't don't feel bad, but I highly, highly uh, encourage you to really put an emphasis on listening exercises. They make you more adept as a musician. 
you're able to dialogue with other musicians if you're playing together. Let's say you're a, you're a producer. You're in the studio. You're offering guidance for your your vocalist. You, you can say, hey, you can you need to move this way or that way. You need to take that note and go here or there. So being able to hear and having a sharp ear and a very tuned ear, it, it's it's really 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 valuable. All right, so I'm kind of giving a, a tip, uh, my tip early right now. But let's uh, go ahead and take that information and move into our little fun exercise. Hopefully it's fun for today. And uh, we're going to do a listening exercise and it will involve intervals. All right. So here's how it's going to work. We're going to choose three intervals today for our game. And I'm going to play three different intervals for you. And I want you to pick them out from other intervals that I'm going to play. So there are three intervals that I'm looking for you to identify, which will be a major second, a perfect fourth and an octave. All right. So I want to stop because I may have lost some of you right now. So for those of you who are not aware of what intervals are, let's quickly talk about what intervals are before we move on into our game, because I want you to get these answers right as well. And we'll go go more uh, in in depth with these as we go along here. But let's just do a ultra fast overview so that you can also participate in uh, our little listening exercise for the for today. Okay, an interval is simply the distance between one note and the other. Okay, let me let me give you an example. And for today's purposes, I'm going to make this super simple. We're going to take a major scale. And have that as our um, our foundation for figuring out our intervals. Okay, so for instance, if I play this, you will hear or observed that I played eight different notes. Okay, now when doing that, some of you. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term major scale. You may be familiar with the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. That is, in essence, a major scale. So each of those words, if you know the do, re, mi deal there, if you know that, then you'll know that there are eight different notes. The first and the, uh, sorry, the first and the eighth, they repeat. So you begin with do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You're back to do if you're aware of the sound of music, if you want to take it to, to that uh, place. Uh, anyhow, so let's get back to it here. So you have eight different notes that are being played. So if I play the number one or the do and then played the number two, which is Ray, that the distance between one and two is a major second, major second. All right, here's the next one I want to focus on today. So so keep that in mind, major second. That's what it sounds like. I today for for our game today, I also want you to focus on what we call or they call a perfect fourth. Let's not get hung up on why it's called perfect right now, because we're not going to go into that part of theory today. We'll get to that in a different lesson. But just go with the answer that I'm giving you here. When I play this and this, that is called a perfect fourth. 
It's four notes away. So let me play it. Here's one. And here's four. So between here and here, we call that a fourth or a perfect fourth. All right. So now, remember just a second ago, we just mentioned the the do and going all the way up to the do again. Or back to the do, if you want to refer to the song um, with sound of music. The distance between those two places is eight. And because of that, we will call that an octave. Eight octave, okay? All right. Hopefully, that makes sense in terms of the, the wording on that. All right? So, again, we're going to be using a major second, a fourth, and an octave. As we're getting our game going here, we're going to do two rounds. All right, so the first round will have three questions. The second round will have the same three questions. Now, the difference is the first in the first round, I'm not going to give you the answers. I'm just going to give you the questions. Each question will have a pair of intervals that will be played. You need to select the correct one. Round two, same scenario, but I'll give you some help and some uh, tips. Here we go. Tell me. Which of the interval, the following intervals, is a perfect fourth? Which was the perfect fourth? Was it the first one or was it the one after that? Let me play it one more time. All right, so let's try the, the next one here. I am looking for an octave. Here we go. I'm going to play two different intervals back to back. You let me know which is an octave. Here we go. All right, I'm going to play it one more time. Okay, so which is the octave the first or the one that came after all right now let's go to the major second we're looking for a major second i'll play it again we're looking for the major second was it the first interval or was it the second interval all right one more time All right, so let, let's stop real fast. If you are completely bombing this game or completely guessing and you're just in the dark, you just have no idea how to really locate the, the, the correct answer just by hearing it, uh, I'm going to give you a cheat sheet, okay? And this is kind of the point of this, uh, this uh, listening game today. When I find myself in a position where I really can't figure out what I'm hearing, I like to use things that will help help me remember or give me a clue as to what I'm hearing. Okay, so let's talk about that major second. Most of us, as we talked about last week, know that happy birthday song, right? 
So I'll play it for you real fast. Hopefully they won't hunt me down for royalties. And if that joke goes over your head, see here, check out last week's uh, episode. But again, happy birthday. So the first few notes of the song represents a second. So you have happy birth. So those two notes, that's a second. That's a major second. So when I'm hearing you know, notes being played and I'm trying to figure out whether or not I'm hearing a second, I think about the beginning of happy birthday. One more time. That's a second. Okay. Let's go for, let's go to the uh, next um, interval that we used in our game. We talked about a perfect fourth. All right. So how do you know when you're hearing a fourth? Here's your cheat code. Think about the wedding song. Here comes the bride. Okay. So the first notes, that's a fourth. So if you think about the beginning of here comes the bride, that will help you recognize a perfect fourth when it happens. All right, let's do the eighth, or sorry, octave. Say it with me, octave. Okay, how do you know when you are hearing an octave? Well, let's use the beginning of the song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Let's play it. Okay, somewhere. So those two notes, that's your octave. Listen to it again. An octave, okay? So let's go back to our game. Let's try it and um, let's see if you can get it faster this time. This time I'm gonna just give you each interval or each set of intervals just uh, one time. Okay, so see if you can quickly pick it out. All right, here we go. I'm going to change it up just a bit. Let's start from the top. So I am looking for a major second. Here's your cheat code. Think about happy birthday. Here we go. Was it the first one or the one after? It was the one after. Okay, so for the next one here, we're going we're looking for the perfect fourth. Remember, your cheat code is here comes the bride. Here we go. Which one was the perfect fourth? It was the first one I played. All right, last set, the bonus round. Here we go. An octave is what we're looking for. Remember, our cheat code is somewhere over the rainbow. Here we go. Which was the octave? 
Uh-huh. It was the first one I played. How did you do on that? All right. So listen, listen back uh, to this episode if you want. Just get a sense for what these intervals sound like. Again, when you start to pick out intervals and you're very good at doing it, you're able to hear music in a very, very different way. You're able to replicate music very easily because your ear is attuned and it will also help you with chord structures and more complicated chords like your ninths and your elevenths and thirteenths and and all that good stuff. So we'll talk about that at a different time. But again, just uh, try doing some exercises on your own and uh, we'll come back to this and have some different quizzes as the weeks go on. All right. But for now, let's go and get into our primary topic for today. So today I want to cover a subject that we all as musicians have had uh, some desire to participate in. And hopefully you're doing it and have done it. And that's songwriting, composition, making music. Right. So that's kind of the whole point of what we do. Now, I know some of you may not have aspirations for composing songs and things like that, but the vast majority of musicians, uh, we have that that aspiration to create songs. And I've run into a lot of people that don't um, consider themselves to be musicians, but have aspirations or have ideas or, or dreams of writing songs or creating a composition. And. You know, there's different types of songs out there, obviously. You know, you have things like, you know, music that typically will play on the radio. Last week, we talked about a song that is used for a commercial, a jingle. You can have music or a composition that is used um, in a TV show, in a movie. It can be used in a performance environment. Let's say you're doing something that's orchestral. So there are many applications for songwriting. And a lot of us, again, are looking to create and would like to create songs that people are drawn to. That That's really the goal of having a, a song, in my opinion. You want other people to appreciate and to enjoy, you know, maybe download, share, use, whatever, you know, your music. So the point being is you want it to be good. You want it to be something that people really like and, and appreciate and maybe applaud. So having said that, I want to get into for today's topic, the basics and the fundamentals of songwriting. Now, this is a topic that we will most certainly revisit because it's a very, very vast and big subject. But I believe that we can start on some foundational things today to just start to align our minds with what it means to create a piece of music that is widely accepted and appreciated. I mean, that that pretty much sums it up, right? So let's talk about this whole concept of songwriting. I, at some point in time, and maybe you guys share in this, this thought process, I used to think that songwriters are these incredibly brilliant, imaginative people that just have these super, super awesome ideas. And somehow or another, they are able to get it recorded and everyone in the world just loves it. And then they're receiving awards and having millions and millions of downloads or views or whatever it may be. Yeah, that that's kind of true. But I want to back up here. And I don't mean to suggest that great songwriters are not creative, but I want to dispel a notion about that. 
Musicians sometimes feel that when they are super and ultra creative, that that is a thing that will set them far apart from those who may be deemed to be competitors. But an interesting thing about the songwriting world, we can have many different uh, forms of composition. So don't just think about music that you hear on iTunes or whatever. It can be in a movie, it can be in a commercial or some other application, you need to understand that songwriting is part creativity and songwriting is part science. And that's where I really want to start in on today. It's kind of hard for me to coach you on being creative. Creativity to a large degree is just innate, it's natural, it just kind of bubbles up. You may have an idea, you may have some kind of epiphany to do a certain type of music or use a certain type of sound, or if you're going to go really crazy with it, maybe create an instrument that has yet to to be invented. That happens. Those things cannot necessarily be coached. There's certain things that you simply have a talent or a knack for, but I want to go on the other side because again, a lot of times musicians feel that they simply have to have this mind that sees things that no one else sees, and that by default makes them the best potential musicians or songwriters or uh, creators. And that's not necessarily true. So again, successful composition is part science and it is part art. And I really, really want you to remember that part science, part art. So let's put aside the creativity part of it just for a moment. I want to focus on the, the science The reason why I want to focus on the science part of it is when you create music, the idea for many of us is to get the buy-in or the support of a lot of people. Now, I understand that music can have a genre, you can have rock, you can have, uh, you know, jazz, you can have, you know, again, music for film and things like that. But within that particular category or for that particular purpose, you want people to buy in or like what you're doing, right? So if I create a rock song, I want those who appreciate rock to like my song. Hopefully I do. Otherwise, I can just play the song for grandma and it's a wrap. We're done. You know, and grandma, of course, will say, that's awesome, baby, right? But if you want it to be widely accepted, there has to be a science behind what you're doing because... You are trying to estimate or to guess at what the masses would want from you as a composer. Well, how do you know that? How do you know what the people want? Well, you look at patterns, you look at things that have been done before, and you try to model some of the things that have elicited a response for that type of music or that particular style or or genre, what have you. Okay. Let me give you some more insight on why I'm coming to this conclusion. A while back, I went to a uh, creative session down in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, and this was at the uh, PRO headquarters, my PRO headquarters. And this is a BMI, by the way. When I say PRO, for those of you that don't know, that's Performing Rights Organization. There's BMI, ASCAP, CSAC. If you're here in the U.S., if you're if you're abroad, you know, your country will have uh, your respective PRO. Anyhow, so I'm down here in Nashville 
I'm at BMI and I'm in this meeting. It's a very small meeting and I'm across the table from a gentleman that is a prolific songwriter. I mean, this guy has written tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of songs for um, multi platinum artists that all of us have heard of, whether we like their music or not. This guy has written for these artists. The other gentleman that was there in this particular uh, conference, he actually is a major exec for a music publishing firm, world renowned operation that uh, he, I believe he leads, uh, he heads up if I'm not mistaken. So in this meeting, I learned something very, very, very interesting. I learned that I was right. And I'm not being cocky when I say this, I'm not being arrogant. I've long since uh, believed that the songwriting world was very formulaic, uh, very scientific to a certain degree. There's a recipe for it. And what I mean by that is there are certain structures that you have to have in a composition for it to be widely accepted. I'll give you some examples of what I mean. I mean, there are structures and there are rules of the road, as it were, for melody, for rhythm, for uh, repetition, for length of the song. I mean, there are a whole bunch of things and they use this formula over and over and over and over and over again. So let me give you an example. Imagine we are embarking to make a cake. The components for most cakes are pretty much the same. I know there are some exceptions for you foodies out there, but for the most part, your cakes will involve, let's say, having flour as an ingredient, having sugar, having eggs, maybe some type of oil, butter, what have you. But from there, we can create any number of cakes if we just blend in some other ancillary or additional items, right? So we can create a pound cake. We can create a lemon cake. We can uh, create a layered cake. We can create a red velvet cake. And I am making some of you very hungry right now. The point being is that we can go in any number of directions with the flavor of the cake by adding in additional ingredients, but there has to be some core elements or core ingredients included into the overall process in order for it to be successful. Musicians, if I'm going to stay with my analogy, we sometimes will get so crazy that we'll think, hey, I'm going to create a cake, but I'm going to go out in the backyard and mow up some grass and I'm going to scrape some bark off the tree and my cake will be revolutionary. No one will have ever tasted a cake like mine. You are correct but it tastes horrible. So the same thing comes back to your music. You sometimes can be so creative that the end product is absolutely undesirable. Let's go on the other side. You can become too scientific, too calculating, too predictable. And what you wind up doing is sounding like a carbon copy. So if you hear a successful song and you mirror everything that they do verbatim, you wind up being a copycat, a pretender, just a fake. All right. And you don't want to be that guy or gal. All right. So I'm going to give you five keys or tips or principles that will help you become a much stronger 
songwriter, composer, music maker. Now, I know that when I give these tips, there is a possibility that some of you may argue with what I'm going to say. That's perfectly fine. Remember, we're operating in a very subjective world, meaning your opinion about music is going to be vastly different than my opinion about music. I understand that. I understand that our tastes may be vastly different. But again, I'm simply trying to get you to the point where your music is widely accepted. And here's what I discovered to be absolutely true. So let me go through the five things that I believe that will help you become a much stronger songwriter, composer, and music maker. Here we go. First tip. Stay away from long, protracted introductions in your music, long intros. Understand that we as listeners, and I'm going from this angle now, we're simply looking to hear a song that moves us and that we like and that we enjoy. Now, I'm going to take my next piece of um, advice or clarification, and I'm going to take that this back to our previous podcast. In our previous podcast, we talk we talked about how the listening public, we are inundated with a lot of stuff out there. And if you as a musician are taking a if you're taking a long time to kind of get to your point, in a sense, with your long intro, you may lose me. If you're starting low and slow and you're kind of building up in that intro and you have a soft pad coming in and then there's other instruments that are slowly coming in and then there's a guitar and then there's a solo. I've I've lost interest already as a listener. So be careful about these long intros. I know that you're thinking that, oh, yeah, well, when I finally get to this verse or this part of the song, people will love it. You may not get to that point if I tune you out in the very beginning. What can you do as a musician to get me to stay tuned into that song? I'm not sure if you guys have done this. I'll tell you I have, which is I'll go on to one of my um, you know listening platforms like a Spotify or um, an iHeartRadio or whatever. And if I'm looking for, let's say, some workout music, right? I'm in the gym. As soon as the track comes on, if it's all just slow and just whatever meandering, I'll turn it off. I'll skip that song in a couple of seconds. So if that artist or that musician kind of got to the point of the song right away, I might hang around. But as soon as I hear something that it seems like it's going to take a long time to start up, I lose interest. And again, I know that I'm just one guy. This is just my opinion. But I believe the vast majority of people have the same type of mentality. If you don't catch me in the first few seconds, I tune out. So my advice to you, if you want your song or composition to be heard, have a short intro. Next tip, do not become too abstract in your creativity. And we talked about this at the very beginning. Creativity is awesome. Creativity will set you apart. If you are too creative, you lose everybody and no one knows what you're talking about. Let's go down two different roads with this. Let's talk about lyrics. If your lyrics and the the verbiage in your song is only known to you in terms of its meaning, you're going to lose people. Let's say you're you're creating some song and it's called 
Marshmallow sunshine. The marshmallow sunshine came breaking through my wall. If you do a song like that, the vast majority of people may not know what you're talking about. And you may think, oh, no, there's a deeper meaning and you're peeling it back like an onion. And if you look at it, there's symbolism. And and again, I get that. I've heard musicians do that. They have symbolism and things like that. But you have to bring that symbolism down just enough to where it's kind of clear as to what you're saying. Again, I've heard songs that have symbolism and later realize that the meaning is completely different. And some of these songs have gone on to be very, very popular. But I can tell you that the vast majority of songs that are popular are very clear in their meaning. So, again, if you're trying to get the masses behind what you're doing and you're trying to get people to buy in what you're into what you're doing, you you can't be too abstract with weird wording or verbiage that only makes sense to you in your mind in some weird dream you had. It doesn't work. And I, and I, I really don't mean to be insulting by saying this. But again, if and if it's the operative word here, if you're looking for wide acceptance of your material, you have to be careful about not becoming so abstract that no one knows what you're talking about. It's a quick sidebar here. Your music has to be something that the the audience can identify with, period. That's a very simple principle, but it's a huge principle. Think about this for a moment. For the most part, let's go to movies as an example. Why is it that most of the movies that we watch will always have some type of love scene or uh, a love interest? Because most of us like to be in love. We want to be in love. We you know, I, I remember watching um, and this has been a long time ago, like Pearl Harbor. Here it is. I'm thinking we're going back in time, looking at history. But no, there's a romance story. You know, we're talking about a historical thing. We're talking about war with another nation and magically they're in love. I'm like, where did this come from? The point being is that the maker of that film knows you have to have something that resonates with everybody. Everyone cannot res- uh, everyone cannot identify with going off to war, but you can identify with the love of your life. So the point being is that your music has to have components that the audience can connect with. Okay, let's talk about the other part of this here. Your abstract musical creativity. I'm not sure if that's a thing, but just kind of go with what I'm talking about here. You can't go too far out there with your music where you're using atonal sounds and you don't really have a tempo and it's just kind of free flowing and you're using dissonance and you're using quarter tones and you, you can't do that. I mean, you can do it, but it's not highly advised. So again, if you are looking to get in to the place to where people are accepting your music and you do some crazy far out there sonic experiment, again, you may you very well may be a musical genius. And I'm not saying that to 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 um, to be condescending. I mean, you very well may, may be a musical genius, but the vast majority of people will not recognize it. They won't. So if you're out there doing this atonal experiment, 
you just may wind up having two people that say, hey, you know what? (laughs) I know what you did there and I appreciate it. But everyone else will say, yeah, yeah, no, thank you. So be careful not to go too far out there musically. Next tip, make sure that your music includes infectious components. I should be able to still kind of hum along and sing along in my mind once the song is over. But if you really never had repeated information or some type of repetition that drove in a certain melody or a certain series of sounds, if you're doing, let's say, something like EDM or what have you, I I, I won't remember your song. You have to have something in there that stays with me. So if you're jumping all over the place and you're really not solidifying a, a melody or some type of motif, I won't remember your song. And it makes it very tough for me to sing along with. So, again, tip number three, make sure that you work on creating components of your song that is highly infectious, highly just memorable. And those little segments, you want to make sure that you repeat those segments so that you can really drill home those melodies or those sounds. All right. Next tip. Don't overstay your welcome. This will vary from application to application, but my general advice for you here is keep your song within certain time frames. Okay, let me give you an example. If you are looking to have your artist's music on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, or if you want to have your song on a radio, that type of thing, Your song should be no more than three, three and a half minutes, not four, not five, certainly not six. If you are creating a jingle, as we talked about um, last week, your jingle should really be no more than 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds in some instances. Now, if you are creating music, let's say for an orchestra, you literally can have music that goes on for 20 minutes. 40 minutes, that's long, but, you know, it happens. But you have to know your the application for the music. Make sure that your music does not go beyond the boundaries of the norm. So let's go back to just a very simple example of which I started with is music for the radio, music for personal listening, music for, hey, I'm just driving down the road and I'm listening to an artist, uh, you know, on my smart device or radio, what have you. That song should not be super long. You lose people. And that goes back to something I mentioned earlier. People are very, very distracted. People are very, very busy. If your song goes on for five minutes, I think you run the risk of losing people and boring people. Your song does not have to be super long. So if your song is extending well beyond the prescribed time frame for your application, or for your use, look at what you've done there. Break the song into pieces. Look at that intro that we talked about. Look at your 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 verses, if you have them, or your choruses, or what have you. Try to figure out a way to pare that down, to cut that down to where it is more manageable in terms of length. And the last tip here is... I highly recommend, and this is more related to popular music. When I say popular music, I'm not saying pop music per se. I'm talking about music that is being used for an artist, 
a music that's being used for a band, a music that's being used again uh, to sell on iTunes or whatever, the, the, that type of music. So that's what I mean by pop music, not pop as a genre, but just popular music, country, rock, hip hop. I highly recommend that your music has three basic building blocks. That is your chorus, or some people call that the hook, your verse, that's where your content is for your song. Some of the, the meat of the song and some of the uh, the subject matter for your song can be there or detail. And then you have a bridge. Those three components are your building blocks for a successful song. Let me give you some examples of how this typically looks. One version of this could be you can have chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. That's one version. You can start with your verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Okay. And everywhere where I'm saying, everywhere where I am saying chorus, you can just superimpose the word hook if that is something that a term that you're more uh, familiar with. So that pattern that I just gave you, those two different patterns. That is the formula (laughs) that I heard a lot about when I was down there in Nashville. And if you listen to any song, not any song, but if you listen to most songs, you will hear that pattern. And and it's kind of funny. Every time I'm listening to, you know, music online or whatever, invariably, I can see that bridge coming a mile away. Why? It's a formula. So they are successful, the songwriters, because they are following a formula. One song may sound very different from the other, but again, they are following a pattern that makes the song successful overall, though the song may sound different. Again, think about our cake example, as uh, stated earlier. It's still dessert. It's still yummy, but it's different. But it's still cake. So the point being is that your song can be different than someone else's song, But you need to use those basic ingredients in order to be accepted as that thing, which is a successful song. As we get ready to wrap up, let's talk about that tip for the day. And we kind of alluded to it earlier. This tip, by the way, is brought to you by Jingle Money. Jingle Money is a book about the jingle business and how you as a musician can figure out how to make money writing jingles for businesses. You can learn to earn thousands of dollars, literally thousands of dollars just for seconds, mere seconds of music. It is absolutely incredible. It's absolutely a viable and realistic way to earn money as a musician, maybe some extra money. Um, So check it out, please. Jingle money can be found on Amazon. You can get a paperback copy on Amazon or You can get a digital version on your Kindle device. And if you don't have a Kindle device, you can just download the Kindle app and still get the book there. It's a lot cheaper, actually, if you uh, go the uh, ebook route. But yeah, check it out. It's called Jingle Money. I want to remind you to really put an emphasis on sharpening your ear. Do some listening exercises. Practice those intervals. The sharper you are as a musician in picking out notes and hearing notes and hearing the relationship of those notes, 
you become a lot better overall. You'll be a, uh, a lot better in directing those who are around you. You'll be a lot better in composing. You'll be a lot better in figuring out how uh, someone created a song. And if you think about what we just talked about today, you can pick out formulas in song, you, songs. You can pick out melody formulas in songs. So there's a lot of value and utility for using your ear as a major tool. Don't let that skill go by the wayside. Sharpen your ear. I appreciate you being here. And again, this is Walt, and this has been Swim, Success with Music. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're going to keep it going. Send me an email. Let me know you're out there. Ask at successwithmusic.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, leave us that review. No, there's got to be a better in this life that is my dream here's to a family